Today's broadcast was recorded for Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. Good evening and welcome to Central Park Neighborhood Church. This is our midweek service. Amen. Our teaching time and we have been looking at the subject of the anointing. The anointing. In this last week we really looked and began with dissecting the different uh, spices that were involved in the compound of the anointing. And we looked at myrrh, and we're going to continue with that. This will be the last week on um, the one spice called myrrh. And then we'll move on from there. But as we review a little bit, it says in Exodus chapter 30, verses 23 through 25, take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much of that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane, 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel and a hen of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. And we said that there are five different uh, parts to this combination to make up the anointing oil. Five really was the number of grace. We took a look at that and considered that, but we also considered the fact that their uh, myrrh and cassia, it was twice as much as those spices as it was from fragrant cinnamon and fragrant calamus. There was half of those uh, two different spices. And so they're going to find that as we look at this, um, uh, there are some things that are very important and uh, we get twice as much in the making up of this anointing oil. And myrrh was uh, really was about 14 and a half pounds, and the cassia was 14 and a half pounds of spice, and the cane and the cinnamon, there was about seven pounds each. And then there uh, was approximately five, six quarts of, of olive oil, and it all roughly came to about 50, 60 pounds uh, that made up this compound and uh, this process called the anointing oil. So it really wasn't a, a small um, thing that they were doing here. This this was a rather large thing. And uh, so consequently, um, there was a whole process that was taken into account here to make up the anointing oil. And... We have looked at the subject of myrrh, and the myrrh really represents bitter experiences. And we talked about we don't want to waste our bitter experiences, and we do not want to uh, just uh, throw them away or run away from them, but we want them to do a work in our spirit and in our life, and we want to respond accordingly uh, so that it becomes a positive outlook. And we also consider the thought that, you know, uh, myrrh is a, a valuable spice, and we find that our bitter experiences, we learn a lot of different things, and we can grow in our nature and in our life and in our relationship and in our ministry because <clears throat> of these experiences that we go through. And so uh, tonight we want to look at the the subject of bitterness once again in the thought process of myrrh. And uh, I want to take several causes of bitterness to be in a person's life. You know, there 
there are, there are varied situations and varied problems, varied challenges that take place. And in the scriptures, there's many examples um, that are written for our admonition that we can learn from <clears throat> concerning bitter experiences and how we should respond to them. So I'm going to give you several of them, and we're going to give the uh, situation that is a bitter experience on one side, which is that could be, let's put it this way, a negative side, but let's look on the other side, which would be the positive response to that. And uh, if we have a positive response, uh, it will work in us good. And so we'll begin with uh, Esau, Jacob and Esau. We know that basically uh, Esau sold his birthright and Jacob wound up with that. And we know that um, uh, we find that he came to his father and uh, he was blessed and uh, he got Esau's blessing. And then we find what Esau's response is to this whole thing. Let's look at it. Esau gave a bitter cry at the knowledge that he had lost the blessings of the firstborn in Genesis 27, 32 to 35. You know, when you lose something that is rightfully yours, that can be a very bitter experience. In verse 32, And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me, and I have eaten it all before you came, and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. What a statement. He shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me even also, O my father. He had a cry, Bless me, father, also. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. So here we have, he, he lost he lost his birthright. You know, and the answer in that is, number one, you, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is more than forgiving others. Sometimes you have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive others too. Forgiveness is the answer that really comes forth in this whole thing. Bondages can make life bitter. We find this in Exodus 1, 13 through 14. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, it was with great rigorosity. It was a bitter bondage that was there. And you know, really, the really only answer for this kind of a bondage and this kind of bitterness that comes because of this is that there needs to come deliverance. There needs to come deliverance from the situation that they're in. <clears throat> and we know that in Christ, there is the delivering power of the Spirit of God that can bring deliverance and bring an answer and deliver us out of our troubles. People can, can become bitter because the way is hard and they their supposed needs are not met. And really it becomes boils down to really selfishness then at this point. And let's look in Exodus fifteen twenty two through 24. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. And when they came to Marah, here it is. It's actually the place called Marah, and it is a place called bitterness. That's what bitterness and myrrh 
uh, it means myrrh, okay? It's Mara or bitterness. They could not drink of the waters of Mara for they were what? They were bitter. Water was bitter. It was unfit to drink. Therefore, they called the name of the place Mara. And the people murmured against Moses and said, what are we going to drink? You know, how are we going to handle this situation? You know, they, they got off into complaining. They got off into pointing their finger at Moses. And really the answer into this whole thing is that there needs to come an attitude of thankfulness. An attitude of thankfulness instead of an attitude of complaining and pointing the finger. An attitude of thankfulness. <clears throat> circumstances can be very bitter. A person can respond and become just like their circumstance. Bitter. Bitter circumstance, bitter attitude, bitter person. Second Kings 14.26 For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel that it was very bitter, for there was not any shut up or any left, nor any helper for Israel. Also, I want to take into consideration the life of Job here in this thing about circumstances being bitter. Job chapter 3 verse 16, or why, this is Job now, he's, he's, he's spouting off and talking about his circumstance. He says, why was I not a miscarriage, hidden and put away as infants who never saw light? There, in death, the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the captive prisoners rest together. They hear not the taskmaster's voice. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master, he says. Why is light of life given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter soul? And then Job 23, 1-4, Then Job answered and said, Every day is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I, where I might find him, that I might come to even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Talking about the bitter situation that he was in. You know, there's times when you, uh, you've got to quit thinking about yourself and the situation you're in. You need to think about others. Put your focus on others and think about others in their situations that they're in. You know, Hannah was someone else that was, you know, she wanted children in the worst of ways. And, and Elkanah's other wife constantly was needling her and giving her a bad time. And finally she, she went and she was praying. And as she was praying, Eli marked her voice, and which he didn't hear because he only saw her lips move. And and accused her of being drunk. And, and what she explained to him, listen, you don't hear me praying, you don't hear my words, uh, but I am praying, I'm crying out. And she says, I was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Sometimes uh, in the answer, in bitter experiences, the timing of God is, is an interesting thing. And God's timing is not always our timing. God knows the beginning from the end. God knows what to do and how to handle things. And we get mixed up sometimes, and we want things now. And really the answer in this kind of a situation is patience and prayer. Patience and prayer. Patience and prayer. You know, we live in a, in a generation, we go to the microwave, we hit the button, and it, one button means one minute, boom, it's hot, we eat it. Well, God is not a microwave God. God is a God who uh, works in us in His time frames and in His ways. Injustice can be another very bitter experience. 
when one goes through an experience of injustice, bitterness can be the results. I'm, I'm reminded so many times you see people who are put into, into prison for many years and then come to find out they had not done the crime. They've done the time, but they've not done the crime. And you know what? There's no way to make up for that time. There's no, it's not possible uh, to uh, give back 10 years, 15 years, because it's already gone. It's, it's, the life is spent. And it becomes, and at that point, the person, many times people are thankful that they got out. And many times they, they, well, it's the only answer because otherwise they become extremely bitter because of the injustice that goes on. In Esther chapter 3, verses 13 uh, through chapter 4, verse 1, we talk about a letter was being sent out from the king and they were going to kill all the Jews, young and old, and the women, children, all of them. And then they were going to take all of their goods for their own prey. And the copy of this writing was sent out through the whole, every providence and, and the whole uh, nation at this point. And when Mordecai perceived what was done, the Bible says he rent his clothes, put on sackcloth with ashes, and went into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry at the injustice of the whole thing. There's times when you have to stop and say, who orders my steps? Who orders my steps? God orders your steps. God walks with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. So many times in our injustice situations, who's there? Who's in the middle of that? Find him because there's an answer there for you. To forsake the Lord is to end up in bitterness. Jeremiah 2.19, Amplified Bible. Your own wickedness shall chasten and correct you. Your backslidings and desertion of faith shall reprove you. Know therefore and recognize that this is an evil and bitter thing, he says. First, you have forsaken the Lord your God. Then he says, second, you are indifferent to me and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. So, you know, forsaking God, forsaking God. What is the answer to that? that? The answer to that is remain faithful to the Lord. Remain faithful to the Lord. And and maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. That's really the answer to that whole thing. I like another one here about forsaking God in Jeremiah four sixteen through 19. Warn the neighboring nations that our adversary is coming. Announce to Jerusalem that besiegers are coming from a far country and they shout against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of a field, they are against her round about, because she has been in rebellion, says the Lord. Your ways and your doings have brought about these things. This is your calamity and doom. Surely it is bitter, and surely it reaches your very heart, he says. And he goes on and says other things. And he says, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is disquieted and throbs aloud within me. I cannot be silent. Uh, what's he talking about here? He's talking about a people, you know, that need to repent. Repent. Sometimes in when things come that are very bitter and things are going to take place, the only answer to bring the answer to that is to repent. Turn your heart. Turn your mind. Turn it. And face God instead of turning away from him. Turning away from him. Another thing here. 
that we the Bible addresses is the fact that in the marriage relationship, a husband many times takes the attitude of bitterness towards his wife. In Colossians 3.19, it simply says this, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Sometimes bitterness comes because expectations are not met, uh, because sometimes uh, there's a husband that's overbearing. Sometimes there's a wife, uh, amen, that tries to r rule things and run things. Um, the Bible talks about an attitude here, and I'd like to share that with you. The Bible says, Thy gentleness hath made me great. That's what the Bible says. Gentleness has made me great. Instead of being bitter and, and shouting and, and carrying on with all kinds of things, let gentleness be in your spirit because gentleness, the Bible says gentleness, amen, it will break the bone. It will break that which would bring the bondage into the situation in that relationship. The experience of death can also be a very bitter thing. And, and different people respond differently according you know, to their own makeup and their own thought process and what they believe about death itself. In Jeremiah 6.26, it says, O daughter of my people, says Jeremiah, gird yourself with sackcloth and wallow in ashes, make mourning as for an only son, a most bitter lamentation, for the destroyer will suddenly come upon us on prophet and people. Jeremiah 31.15, the Lord says, A voice is heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And there, there's other scriptures that go on and talk about death and the death experience. And if you live long enough, you, someone around you is going to die. It's going to have a cause you to go into grief. It's going to be a, a bitter experience. But during that time and during that season of going through it, you know, it is good to remember and focus on the good of that person's life. Bring to your remembrance and talk about the good. Think about the good. Listen, the loss is there. The hurt is there. But when you stop and you think, oh my, look at how this person blessed me. Look at how this person has been a positive influence into my life. And then you turn your focus. And when you turn your focus, you'll find, amen, that will help bring an answer to this bitter experience that you can be trapped in. A wrong value system can result in loss and bitterness. In Luke 12, 13 through 15, And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things, which he does possess. You know, wrong value system. Placing value on things that really are not important and things that really are temporal instead of things that are eternal. It can result in a, in a creep in, an attitude of bitterness into your life. And really the answer concerning this whole thing is the fact that we need to keep right priorities. Right priorities. I like what Matthew 6, 33 says. 34 says, Seek, aim at, strive at, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. So don't worry, be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Have right priorities. Right priorities. 
that will help us in these situations that can actually turn to be very bitter and affect our attitude. You know, there's some things that have a results that are known ahead of time, uh, and we know that if we do them, the, uh, the end result of it will be a bitter experience, and we can avoid them. And we find in 2 Samuel 2, 25 and 26, it says, And the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together after Abner and became one troop and stood on top of a hill. Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Knowest thou not that it will be a bitterness in the latter end? How long shall it be then, ere thou bid the people return from following their brethren? You know, they could go on and they could fight and they could die. And so Joab is saying, listen, don't you know this is only going to end up in bitterness? Well, the answer in, in this whole thing is make good decisions. Make good choices. I like what my wife says, everybody gets to choose. Everybody gets to choose. And that is so true. We get to choose. So choose and make good decisions that keep you out of the situation that will bring bitterness upon yourself. So we've looked at a few things in the scripture that relate to us of different experiences that can turn to bitterness. Yes, they are bitter experiences. Yes, they are difficult. But the Bible gives us answers for each one of those things. And if we will endeavor to do what the Bible response is, it will work in us. It will work in us good. And we'll find that the bitter experiences, amen, are part of this whole anointing process and it's part of the growth that God has for us. So I challenge you, even this day, even this day, be positive. Look at your bitter experiences. Say, God is in them. God is for me. And let me find God in it. And let me find God's answers in it. The Lord bless you.